Well, let's look at Mark 4, verse 1. Mark 4, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. It says, Again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and, be, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, notice that, and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is speaking a parable uh, to these people that are listening to him here. Uh, in the next verse, verse 10, it says, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing that they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn, lest their sins be forgiven them. So his disciples are asking him about this, and, and so he's going to give them the meaning of the parable. Parable, it's a story to make a point. And that's what Jesus is doing, is he's making a point, but he also says those that don't have ears to hear, they don't have the intent to obey, they don't have the intent to, to change or to follow God, they don't hear anything. All they hear is a story. And that's the way it is now. When we approach God with a willing heart, with the intent to hear and to do what he tells us, we get light and we get direction and we see. But you can hear something yet not hear. You can sit in a service with somebody right next to you and they get nothing and your life's changed forever. Happens all the time, you know, generally speaking. Uh, what we get from the Lord depends on how we approach him. Look at verse 13. So this is when he starts to explain what he was talking about in the parable. And he said to them, do, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So the sower he's talking about earlier with the seed, the seed represents the word of God. Verse 15, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So on the wayside, there was uh, seed sown, and then the birds came and devoured it. And Jesus is saying, this represents the word being sown and Satan coming immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, 
and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So the, the seed that's sown on stony ground, that is representing those that hear the word. They get excited about it, but it doesn't last long. Because as soon as there's pressure, they let go. Verse 18, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, enter in, entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So the ones, the seed that's sown among thorns and yielded no crop because they were choked, this is representing those who hear the word. The word, the seed represents the word of God. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in. So that's what the weeds represent, the thorns. They choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So these other things did it. The word came in, started to take root, but it was choked. In verse 20 then it says, But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some hundred. I want you to notice in verse 20 it says, But these are the ones sown on good ground. Sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 30-fold, some, some 60, some 100. So those sown on good ground are the ones that got results. In the Passion Translation, it says, but other seeds fell on good, rich soil. Good, rich soil that kept producing a harvest. Good, rich soil. In the NLT, it says still others fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as has been, had been planted. So the good ground, the rich soil, the good soil, the fertile soil represents someone's heart that's able to accept the word and then something happens. It says fertile there. I just wanted to read a, a couple uh, comments on fertile. Fertile means producing or bearing many crops in great quantities. It means productive. Capable of sustaining abundant plant growth. It also means affording abundant possibilities for growth or development. When you talk about being fertile, there's a lot there, a lot of potential for growth, capable of growing or developing. When, so that, that word fertile is what um, that was used like in the NLT, but that's, that's the word that uh, is used here for good. So good ground. That word good, when you say good ground, it means a, a beautiful, Good, valuable, virtuous. 
In the King James, that's translated better, fair, good, goodly, honest, meet, well, worthy. So good ground are all these things. It's valuable, virtuous, fair, honest, uh, worthy, beautiful, good. And that's the type of person, and we'll see that type of heart where the word is sown that's going to produce. Let's look at eight, or excuse me, Luke verse eight. Um, Luke chapter eight, verse 11, excuse me. Now this is the description of the parable in uh, Luke's gospel. So it's when Jesus is explaining the parable to his disciples, but it's Luke's account. It says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Verse 15, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So notice the way that's said there. Verse 15, the ones that fell on the good ground. So the good ground is representing the next part of this sentence. Are those who, having the, heard the word with a noble and good heart. So good ground is a noble and good heart. They keep it and they bear fruit with patience. Notice the, good, the noble and good heart, the good ground, bears fruit. The other ones didn't. Here it's just a matter of how much fruit they're going to bear. And they bear fruit with patience. In the CEV, verse 15, we're going to read this in a number of translations, those seeds that fell on good ground are the people who listen to the message and keep it in good and honest hearts. They last and they produce a harvest. They listen to the word, and they keep it with good and honest hearts. Honest, noble, before God. Ones that have the right attitude, the right intent. Looking to the word and at the things of God correctly. And notice it says they last and they produce a harvest. That type of person is not the type of person that gets devoured. The word doesn't get taken immediately. It doesn't just last for a while. It doesn't get choked out, but it lasts and it, and it produces a harvest. In the NIV, it says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. By persevering, produce a crop. The NLT says, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, 
and patiently produce a huge harvest. You notice it's talking about the condition of the heart and then sticking it out. Being noble, being honest, being pure before God, having the right attitude, holding on to that word, and then patiently persevering, lasting for a harvest. Let's read it in a couple more translations. The Amplified says, But as for that seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word with a good and noble heart and hold on to it tightly and bear fruit with patience. They hold on to what? The word. They hold on to what God said. They hold on to the things of God. That God is his word. They hold on to the Lord. They don't get moved. Things don't push them off. And they bear fruit. Notice, they do bear fruit. With patience. Maybe something we don't like sometimes, but it, that's what the word says. And the Amplified Classic, one more. It says, but as for that seed, in the good soil, these are the people who, hearing the word, hold it fast in a just, noble, virtuous, and worthy heart, and steadily bring forth fruit with patience. Steadily bring forth fruit. So they hold on to it with the right kind of heart, and then they're patient, and they do it steadily. Not a flash in the pan, not you know, lasting one day until it gets hot and then die, not getting it stolen immediately, not getting crowded out with other things, but pressing in, holding on to God, and bearing fruit. Notice that is good ground. We want to be which type? We want to be the good ground. We want to be in our lives the ones that are going after God with the right heart, with the right motivation, esteeming the things of God, holding on to the things of God, holding on to His Word for what, to what He said, not being moved, being patient, being persevering, holding on to Him tightly, and knowing that His Word says that type of person will bear fruit. Let's look at Proverbs 4, verse 20. And then we'll... I, think, I believe say, uh, make some comments. Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now notice what it's saying. Let's, let's go back to verse 20 so you get the full impact of this portion. My son, give attention to my words. And we just read about, a lot about his words. His words are the word. Incline your ear to my sayings. See, already you can tell this is the right kind of heart. Because you're giving attention to something, you're, you're, you're looking at God's word and you're esteeming. Well, you wouldn't look at it if you didn't esteem it. 
You wouldn't give it your attention. You wouldn't incline your ear if it didn't mean something to you. Verse 21 says, do not let them depart from your eyes. Well, you don't let something come in front of your eyes all the time unless it means something to you, unless it's important. Keep them in the midst of your heart. What do we know about the heart that's good and right? It's going to bear fruit. The word has got to be in the heart and stay there in order to, be, to bear fruit. It can't just come in and go out. No more than a seed can go into the ground and then get ripped out and end up bearing fruit. Can't do that. It's got to stay, and it's got to stay for an amount of time. It has to be over time. And generally, people don't like that, but especially in this age, we don't like that. We want it now. And why didn't it happen already? But notice... It, we read that it's a good heart is not that does not approach that way. A noble heart, an honest heart, it's it's in it. It's after God. It's going to cling. It's going to uh, hold tightly, and it's not going to let the word get out of our heart. Verse twenty-one: Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Verse twenty-two: For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. The word is paramount. There is nothing more important. Verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. This is a picture of someone who takes the word, holds on to it, believes what God said, takes the things of God, and does not let go and moves forward. It's not going to be distracted, not going to look over to the left, not going to look to the right, but is going to hold on to the word, go forward until. Until when? Until you're through. Until you're to the other side, that means you don't let up. You hold on to what God has said, and in any given situation, you don't turn loose of the Word. Not one of the people that lets it go at any other stage, but you're holding on, and you're going to see the fruit. What you feed, what you hold on to, here it says... Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. What you look at, what you feed, is going to grow. What you hold on to and pay attention to, that is what is going to grow in your life. When you, whatever you starve, whatever you don't give attention to will die. And in this case, we're talking about the word, how you handle the word, but it works in every other area. So if you get, have the word come into your life and let it get into your heart and you hold on to it in your heart and you give it attention and you stay uh, close to the things of God and give God your attention and focus on him, that is going to be strong in your life. Your spirit is going to be strong. You're going to grow stalwart spiritually, and the things that are outside are going 
outside of the word are grow, going to grow weak. But it works the other way too, and that's what those other areas, and we'll get into these things as we go on, but just in an introduction and, and talking about these things at a high level, if, if we let it work in the opposite, in the inverse, where the things of God aren't falling, if our hearts aren't toward God and they're kind of so-so, that means something else has our heart. And as we give attention to those things, that means the Word of God is going to be starved out. That means the Word of God is not going to produce, and that's what those other types of ground are describing. But it all comes down to what do we focus on? What do we let have preeminence in our life? What do we give our attention to? What do we incline our ear to? When it, the answer is God and His things and the words, then that means our heart is in the right place, and that means we will produce fruit, unequivocally, period. Everybody, why don't you go ahead and say this, say, I will produce fruit. I will produce fruit. I will produce fruit. My heart is after the Lord. My heart is after His things. My heart is after His Word. Let's look at a few more verses, I think. Let's look at John 15, verse 1. John 15, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Now, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I, am him, and I in him bears much fruit. So if we focus on him and let his words penetrate our heart, we're going to bear fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my, or so you will be my disciples. So if his word abides in us and we're abiding in him, that means putting him where he needs to be on the throne in our life and our hearts are right, we're going to bear fruit. And it glorifies the Father when we bear fruit. What's the path to bearing fruit? We're going to let his things be number one. Our heart is after him. We're going to give him the proper uh, emphasis and place in our life. Let's look at Colossians 1 verse 3. Just going over uh, several verses you know, as we get going in this. Colossians 1, verse 3 says, We give thanks to the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in, in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven 
of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, of the truth of the gospel, verse 6, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. See, the word, the gospel, will bring forth fruit, but it doesn't do that everywhere. It doesn't automatically bear fruit. The word, the word, the incorruptible seed, the word of God in itself cannot bear fruit in people's lives without their cooperation. Now, God's word, God, God's will is always going to be done. His word will not return void, but it has to be in the lives of people. It's only going to bear fruit to the degree that people cooperate. That's the whole purpose of the parable of the sower. That's what we read. There was a whole lot of seed sown, which is the word of God, and it didn't bear fruit right? A whole lot of it didn't bear fruit. It was only when it fell on good ground that it, that it bore fruit. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, as we're talking about this, think about it like this. All of the things we're reading right here, they're all God's Word. And He said His Word would not return void. That means it will do what He said it would do. And that means the parable of the sower is His Word. Jesus spoke it, and he said, unless certain things happen, the word will not produce, and that is his word. Here, he said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear fruit. Otherwise, you won't. That's his word. Well, that happens, and that will not return void. In other words, that will work. The word just, it's just not the word just floating out like, what word? These are words. What, what? The gospel is a word that if you believe on the Lord Jesus, confess with your mouth that he is uh, Lord and believe in your heart that uh, he rose from the dead, you will be saved. That word will not return void. If somebody acts on it, they'll be born again. On the other hand, somebody doesn't, then they won't be saved. What God said would happen will happen always. And so we can be excited because we know if, if he said something and we go after him and we let it dominate our lives, then we'll have what he said every time. Let's read verse 9 again, Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10 that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being, what? Fruitful. That's bearing fruit. What do we know if you're bearing fruit? Then we know that you've received the Word. Then we know that you're abiding in Him. Then we know that you're giving the Word, His, uh, that you're giving the Word your attention. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God... Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power 
for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love and in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. It said we will be fruitful. They're praying that you would be fruitful or that this church will be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. See, if we reverence the word we've heard and let it have first place and let, let it be dominant in our life let it, and, and act on it, then we qualify ourselves to get more. More word, more knowledge. But if we despise what we have, why do we need more? Why do we need more understanding when we don't when we haven't esteemed what we've heard. See, the way to get more light and the way to get more understanding is to esteem, esteem what we've heard and let it be first place and actually act on it in our lives, and we'll get more. That's called growth. We'll keep going up. But if we're just like, well, I, I just want to know more. I want to be more. I want to be further. But we're not doing something with what we have. Actually, the word's being choked somehow then. It's not bearing fruit, so we don't need more. We need to act on what we have. Look at 2 Peter 5, uh, 1, verse 5. We'll probably go over these verses in different ways and detail later, but just kind of flying over here. Verse 5 says, But also for this very reason, given, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Verse 8, if these things are yours and abound, you will, neither be, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. He just listed, listed a bunch of attributes that go with following the word of God. And then he said, if you have these things, you won't be unfruitful, which means you'll be fruitful because the word of God has come and we put it into practice and we do it. And so we're fruitful. He said, if you don't have them, which means you don't do the word, then you're unfruitful. And if you don't have these things, it means that we're short-sighted. But it says we won't be, we will be neither barren, verse uh, 8, will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, the Word of God tells us the gospel and the will of God, the Word of God, is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as we grow in that, we will not be unfruitful. But notice some of those things, you know, it talked about self-control and perseverance. Not something that's just quick. Not something that's a one-time deal. Not something that you know, we can try for a little bit. We're talking about a heart attitude and a way of approaching life. That God, God's word is right, that his things are right, and that they are always 
most important. And as we approach life like that, and as we approach God's word like that, then we will not be pushed off. We won't fall into any of those categories where something didn't happen, where we didn't produce fruit. That we will just keep coming up and abounding and increasing. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1. It says, finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. That you should abound more and more. What does that sound like? Increasing, being fruitful, continuing on. That doesn't sound like going a little bit, then being choked out. It doesn't sound like going a little bit, then being distracted. It doesn't sound like going, get excited, and then we fall down abounding more and more. It said, just as you received from us how we ought to walk and to please God, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. His will is for us to come up and to keep coming up. It doesn't matter what age we are. This should be the trajectory in our lives. And, and, and somebody could say, well, it, it doesn't look like that. Well, life doesn't look like that. Life circumstances can go like that, but our heart attitude can just keep going up and keep growing. And we can still bear fruit even when things don't look perfect. They don't look right. We can say, Lord, I believe you. That's settled. I'm going on with you. I'm going up with you. And you can be growing right in the midst of something that is pressing on you because you will not yield. You will not fall into one of those categories. Doesn't matter how much pressure comes to bear. You're saying, I won't let go. I won't be choked. I'm not going to let, let up. I believe God and my heart is after you, Lord. I, I determine. I'm going to be good ground. And good ground is for the long haul. Good gra- you, don't, you don't go, you know, if you're good ground for 95% of your life and the last little bit fall apart, that's not a good testimony and it could leave disastrous results in anything, right? If you're playing a game or a competition with somebody, if you have 95% where you're good and then just, the, you know, the last five minutes stop playing, I don't care how big of a lead you have, you could lose. Is that not true? I mean, if you, you're playing you know, soccer and you just let the goalie decide he's not going to play, even if it's five minutes, you could easily lose because people could just launch the ball back there over and over. We have the heart attitude that I am going after God and his words right and I'm going to remember it said hold on tightly cling to it persevere last this is faith through whatever through anything Hebrews 6 verse 10 says for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Verse 11, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit 
the promises. What is it when you inherit the promises? It's bearing fruit. When you actually walk in what God has, uh, what His Word says, then we're bearing fruit. Then we're, we're actually partaking of what He's given us. Oh, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. The challenges of life are going to come to every person. When we look at the parable to begin with, that's just showing the condition of people in the midst of similar circumstances. It does not say the people that bore fruit had perfect circumstances. It says that their hearts were right. All those, the, all the pictures of the, the, the ground were all pictures of people's receptiveness and their heart, it had nothing to do, even though it's describing a physical situation, it's not describing circumstances. It describes how we approach what God tells us and what His Word says in the midst of life. And we can pick that up at any time. Regardless of what, you know, maybe we've fallen into some other category. We can determine no more. I will not be distracted. I will not be pushed off. I will not be stolen from immediately. I'm not going to get excited, but then as soon as a gut punch comes, you know, I let go. I'm determining that I'm going on and going to be in it for the long haul, and I will not give in. That's my heart, and I'm going till the end. That's that category. And Jesus did not say, you, you know, well, you know, if that some people will try this, but then they'll fail. He said, if you go at it with a noble heart, you will produce fruit, period. So we don't have to doubt that. Our job, see what Satan's trying to do is get you to release the word, get you to fall into one of those categories by your reaction. What he tries to get you to believe is that it's inevitable. You are going to lose but what is happening is we're being tested to let go. By letting go and believing those lies, we move into one of the other categories. If we cling to, persevere, and hold tightly to the Word, we stay in this category and we just stay there and just keep going. But it's a hard, it's a hard attitude. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an outlook. It's not the pressure. It is how we react. And we say... Lord, I'm staying here. I'm not moving. You said I'd be fruitful, so I'm going to be fruitful. Notice it said you're clinging, you're holding tightly, you're persevering. Those are all where we bear fruit. Not, well, it's been this many years, or it's been this hard, and so I'm entitled, what? Entitled to step into another category? Why? No. In any given day? Well, it's been a bad day, so you know. It's 4 o'clock. I've done pretty well. But I'm done. I'm just stepping over here for today. Now, I'll get back tomorrow. 
You don't want to get, get out over here from 4 to 10 p.m. when you go to bed or whatever. Let Satan run amok because you had a tough morning, tough afternoon. We're all tempted, but when, when the pressure's there and stuff looks like it's falling everywhere, we say, nope, I'm in this category, I'm here to say, and I'm bearing fruit for the long haul. Yeah, but it's all going wrong. No, see, that would be getting choked out. That would be letting go early. Nope, I'm staying right here, I'm holding tightly, I'm persevering, I'm going, I will bear fruit. Yeah, but, no buts, I'm bearing fruit. See, that's actually the attitude, even when stuff can be falling apart, that we end up bearing fruit. Well, yeah, but your body looks like it's not responding. So what? So quit? So then I move over? See, I just got duped. See, I, I'm saying, I don't see it, so what? I'm going to let the word get choked out and go over here. See, but if I say, what does it matter if it's looking like it or not? I'm staying in the fruit-bearing category until... Well, sure doesn't look like you're bearing fruit. Didn't say it would be overnight, but it says it will come. So I am believing God now. See, that's the hold where we go over to the other side and press through and then bear fruit. Because we just wouldn't let go. We believed God through. We didn't believe God for two days with joy until the pressure got too great and then we let go. Every type of reaction that we could have to the word is described. And so we can make up our mind, we're going to be the good ground, we're going to be the noble heart, and we will stay here, period. And then the conclusion, I mean, the, the results, is it's a foregone conclusion. We know what we'll get. Because Jesus said it, his word won't return void, and we will overcome, we'll bear fruit, we'll go over, and then we'll just be rejoicing with him. Amen? Amen? 